0: Chapter 7 of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 I am touched again with shades of early sadness, like the summer cloud's light shadow in my hair. I am thrilled again with breaths of boyish gladness, like the scent of some last primrose on the air. But my being is confused with new experience, and changed to something other than it was and the future with the past is set at variance and life falters neath the burdens which it has after that quiet dinner in fitzroy square at which he made the acquaintance of mr dr ollivant dropped in now and then in a familiar way to see his old friend indeed in his brief and infrequent intervals of leisure and even at times when but for this new distraction he would have given his hours to study the doctor found himself drawn as it were involuntarily towards mr chamney's house Mrs. Ollivant perceived that the precious after-dinner hour in which she had enjoyed her son's society was now apt to be clipped and curtailed for no stronger reason than he had promised to go round to Chamneys. His mother felt the spoliation of her one bright hour, that after-dinner tete-a-tete by the drawing room fire had been her daily sum of happiness. No matter even if he were sometimes silent and meditative, gazing into the fire, absorbed by thoughts and shared with her, it was all the world to have him. To be able to watch the thoughtful face and say to herself this great man is my son now she was being gradually shorn of her privilege the after-dinner hour was shrunken to half an hour for on the evenings on which he did not go out he was anxious to get to his books a little earlier than of old in order to make up in some wise for the evenings he gave to friendship i should hardly have thought mr chamney's society would have proved so attractive to you cuthbert mrs ollivant said one evening when the doctor excused himself from going upstairs to the drawing-room at all in order to go straight from the dinner-table to fitzroy square he appears to me a warm-hearted excellent man but by no means intellectual and i should have supposed him a dull companion for a mind like yours a dusky red glowed for a minute or so in the doctor's dark cheek as he lingered on the hearth ostensibly to warm himself really because he felt a little ashamed of his unfilial eagerness to be gone i don't go to him exactly for companionship he said looking at the fire with that thoughtful downward glance of his as of a man who lives within himself and is always looking inwards rather than outwards whose eyes except for the mere mechanical purposes of existence are of no particular use to him i go because chamney likes to see me he is a poor creature without a friend in england and would feel what is that scotch proverb like a cow in fremd loaning if it were not for me he has his daughter's company and that young man to whom he has taken such a fancy the young man can only talk about pictures and sing duets with flora not much amusement for chamney besides my visits are in some part professional is he so very ill dr ollivant shrugged his shoulders he is very far from being well and there is no hope of his ever being better the end may come at any moment i want to stave it off as long as i can I can't blame you for wishing to do that, Cuthbert, and I won't grumble any more, even if your anxiety about Mr. Chamney robs me of your society very often. Perhaps I was just a little inclined to be jealous, for I thought it might be the young lady that was the attraction. She's a sweet girl, and I'm very fond of her, as you know. But I should like to see you look higher than that, if ever you marry. Higher? How much higher? He thought, wonderingly. For something better than youth, and freshness, and innocence, and a modest loveliness that was better than all the splendour of form and colour that ever went by the name of beauty. "'I am not at all likely to marry, my dear mother,' he answered quietly, and Flora would as soon think of marrying the chemist who makes up my prescriptions as me. In her eyes I am a superannuated bachelor. "'Good night, mother. Pray don't sit up for me. I shall go to my room and read when I come in.' thus between friendship and science dr ollivant fell something below his former excellence as a son it would have been difficult for any one familiar with this previous way of life to discover what was the attraction that drew him to fitzroy square he was not particularly fond of music or of painting yet music and painting formed the staple of the talk when walter leyburne happened to be spending his evening with the chamneys and the doctor rarely found him absent he listened with sublime patience to mozart and rossini verdi and donizetti hardly knowing one master's work from the other all the while he watched the two figures at the piano just as he had done that first night he assisted at the exhibition of flora's drawings she was now working systematically under mr leyburne's tuition and pronounced upon the correct drawing of an arm or the accurate foreshortening of a foot and demonstrated to the docile pupil how foot or arm diverged from the laws of anatomy dull work enough it might have been supposed for a man to whom the best society to be obtained among professional classes would have been open had he cared to cultivate society it had become a natural thing for him to drop in twice or three times a week and flora had grown delightfully familiar with him yet had never put off that somewhat reverential feeling with which a woman of romantic temperament regards a man who is at once her superior in age and intellect let him come as often as he pleased her manner always implied that his visit was a condescension let his conversation be of the driest subjects within the range of his knowledge she betrayed no touch of weariness he perceived this and was charmed by it yet knew only too well that her heart had its attraction elsewhere that a certain light quick step upon the stair sent the warm blood to her happy face the sudden opening of a door and announcement of one familiar name brightened all her being like a burst of sunshine over a flower-garden He saw all this and watched it, and at times taught himself to believe that it interested him only as an amusing study of character, that he could look down from the altitude of his maturer years upon these butterfly loves, and if unable to sympathize with so light a love, could at least feel kindly towards the lovers. Was it not, he asked himself repeatedly, the best thing that could happen in his interest, let mark chamney give his daughter to this foolish young painter before he died and lo all responsibility would be shifted from his shoulders he might act as her trustee still perhaps take care of her fortune and see that this careless fellow did not after squandering his own worldly goods despoil her of hers but of herself of this fair young flower which in its delicate bloom seemed like a bud that had blossomed only to wither he need take no care of a charge so uncongenial to his nature and his habits he would be relieved yes it would be to his advantage unquestionably that this love story just begun should come to a happy ending yet it was worth while to glance for a moment at the other side of the picture if poor dear chamney on whom the hand of doom was too palpable should die without expressing any wish about his daughter's marriage die before the boy and girl fancy had grown into a life-long love Die before Flora's heart was altogether given to this shallow lover. What then? She would be his ward. His, the precious charge of her present and her future. His to advise, to dictate to even, were she inclined to any act of girlish folly that might imperil her happiness. She would enter his house as an adopted daughter. He could picture to himself how her presence would brighten that dull home, could fancy himself finding a new pleasure in home life the fair young face smiling at him across his dinner-table the sweet voice singing in the quiet evenings he had no need to be a lover of music in order to love her singing if she had spun the sound of her spinning-wheel would have been melody to him he thought how he might improve her education which was of the common boarding-school type and enlarge her mind how his own old love of poetry put aside on the very threshold of his scientific education the younger and more romantic tastes and fancies of his boyhood might revive in this indian summer of his life not all at once did these fancies become interwoven with the very tissue of his mind until to look at flora's gentle face was to speculate upon the position he was to occupy towards her in that unknown future whether she was to be his ward or walter leyburne's wife gradually and imperceptibly this new and strange influence entered into his life changed the whole current of his thoughts and but for his natural strength of will must needs have distracted him from the chief purpose of his existence that calm and patient pursuit of science which was to lead him on to greatness happily he had mental force enough to supply two lives that inner life in which a girl's image made the focus and centre of every thought and the outer and active life in which he marched side by side with the deepest thinkers of his profession the dull winter days went by slowly the fog curtains rolled away from the housetops and london where cabs and omnibuses looked ghost-like athwart the gloom stood forth clearly outlined in the bitter east wind this the cheerful citizens called spring and congratulated one another upon the lengthening of days in which every street corner teemed with the primal elements of rheumatism and tic thus heralded came april and found the fitzroy square household unchanged in its quiet mode of life and waiting for warmer weather before essaying even so mild a change as a journey to some sea-coast or inland watering-place mark chamney had to the doctor's keen eye altered for the worse during these months he was less equal even to the small exertions of his daily life suffered more from languor and depression took a more gloomy view of his own case and was more oppressed by vague anxieties about his daughter's future But from his daughter herself he studiously concealed his condition, pretended in her presence to look hopefully at life, and in his unselfish soul was glad to find there was another object now to divide with him her care and thought, another footstep for her quick ear to mark, another voice to bring the startled happy look he knew so well into her face. Pure and serene affection of a father which can thus calmly endure division. That very look was keenest anguish to Dr. Ollivant, for nearly five months the painter had been a constant visitor in mr chamney's house and in all that time neither mr chamney nor the doctor had been able to discover any harm in him though the doctor's eye had been keen to mark any sign of stumbling if he were indeed as the doctor affirmed shallow and conceited his shallowness was sparkling as the surface of a rivulet his conceit the most inoffensive self-satisfaction that ever placed a man on easy terms with his fellow-men he was indeed a young man upon whom even small vices sat pleasantly carelessness procrastination frivolity seemed interwoven with the charm of his vivacious manner his carelessness was a kind of unselfishness his procrastination a deferring of disagreeable necessities his frivolity the natural outcome of a light heart mark chamney no habitual student of character had taken some pains to study the painter's disposition and after five months intimacy had arrived at the opinion that it was a nature without a flaw if he were my own son i could hardly think better of him he said to the doctor one evening when the usual mozart and rossini business was going on at the piano people do not always think highly of their own sons answered cuthbert with his cynical air you don't commit yourself to much in saying that why do you always sneer when i talk about him asked the other fretfully it's rather hard upon me ollivant when you know what i've set my heart upon have you anything to allege against him nothing he is very well as young men go i have no doubt only i have seen so little of the species that i am hardly in a position to pronounce on the individual if you put the thing home to me as a personal matter i don't like young men but as youth is an obnoxious phase through which humanity must pass one is bound to be tolerant towards it in a woman now i confess youth is enchanting like a rosebud when its petals are just opening or a river a little way from its source but a young man is like a young tree an awkward slip of a sapling in which it is hard to discover the promise of the oak and as to what you have set your heart upon as you say now don't you think it might be wiser to let events shape their own course wiser perhaps answered the other gloomily for a father who had half a lifetime before him i can't afford to let things take their course i want to see my little girl's future settled before he did not finish a sentence for which his medical adviser needed no ending when you came to me that november night chamney and we had our first confidential talk you said nothing of a husband you seemed content to leave your daughter to my care have i done anything to show myself unworthy of the trust you my dear ollivant exclaimed mark hurriedly for god's sake don't think me ungrateful i am content to trust her to you yes with all my heart as secure that you would do your duty to her as that i would do a father's duty myself there has never been anything to weaken that first idea in my mind when i saw your name in the newspapers and thought over our schoolboy friendship the notion that came into my head about you seemed like an inspiration only when i came across this young man and brought him here and he and baby seemed to take to each other she so fond of painting their voices harmonizing and so forth another notion flashed across my brain like another inspiration you could still be her trustee my representative when i am gone but if i could provide her with a husband a husband of her own choice mind you not mine the idea would be in a manner completed i dare say you are right dr ollivant answered rather listlessly as if the discussion had outlasted his interest in the subject the only question therefore that remains is whether the young man is eligible they said no more that evening mr leyburne and flora left the piano very soon after this and came to join their elders in the back drawing-room whereby the conversation became general walter favoured them with a description of the works of various ineptitudes whose pictures had been admitted to the walls of the royal academy tossed over the books upon flora's table and talked a little of literature in the usual young man's style pronouncing judgment upon hoary-headed sages and patronizing veterans with ineffable superiority dr ollivant who was apt to grow silent when the painter talked looked and listened and anon departed after his usual calm good-night "'I lose all your nice conversation when I am singing,' Flora said, with a regretful look, as she shook hands with him at parting. "'But you see, we are obliged to keep our duets. It would be such a pity to get out of practice when we have once learned them together. But I do like to hear you talk, Dr. Ollivant, and I enjoy your visits most when we are quite alone.' "'If you could be always quite alone,' said the doctor. "'Oh, you know very well I don't mean that. Mr. Leyburne is so nice and has given me so much help in my drawing.' i can never be grateful enough for that he has let me go into sepia at last such a relief after that dirty chalk please come to us very soon again good night so lightly dismissed rewarded for all his wasted hours the leisure which to him was the fine gold of life with a touch of girlish patronage told that his grave talk was not altogether unamusing in the absence of better entertainment he walked homeward in the clear april night the house tops beautified by the starshine, but, when near the long dull street in which he lived, went off at a tangent in the direction of Regent's Park. He was in no humor for the tranquil silence of his library, for the study that until so lately had made the brightest side of his life. He felt as if the close dark house with its narrow walls would be intolerable to him. He wanted to think out something in the free air of heaven, to walk down the evil spirit within him. That evil, fatal spirit, which tempted him to brood upon Flora's fair young face with a fond, foolish passion, senile almost, as it seemed to him, who, at eight-and-thirty, had lived a longer life than the common herd of men-longer in labour and science, perhaps, but in passion, until now, a blank. CHAPTER seven.